Good evening, guys. This is uh, Faber McMullen. And Sandy McMullen. And this is your podcast for Wednesday, June the 24th, 2020. And we are excited to be with you guys today. We're going to go ahead and open in a word of prayer. And then we want you to get your Bibles and and go to Galatians chapter 1, where we will continue what we studied on Sunday. Lord Jesus, thank you for this opportunity that we come and have your word and be fed and be encouraged and be nourished by you, Lord. I pray that we can truly be like the Song of Solomon says and that we can feed among the lilies and that we can, in this moment, no matter what's going on in the world around us, we can be as though in a peaceful garden, receiving nourishment from you and receiving health for our souls. And we just pray that you bless this time together, Lord, and help us to be knit together in a body. In your name we pray. Amen. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the studying today, Sandy, is what is the gospel? We're going to continue on looking at it. So if you guys will open up, please, to Galatians 1. We'll take a look here. And uh, why don't you go ahead, uh, Sandy, and you read those verses 6 through 10. Okay. I marveled, and this is what chapter? Uh, chapter chapter 1. one. Yeah. Okay. Galatians 1, verses 6 through 10. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. 
As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. You know, Paul would always end his greeting with a prayer or something like that. Uh, and he would begin things that way. But in Galatians, it's interesting because he skips right over the formalities and he goes straight to the subject matter at hand. And the subject matter at hand, remember, is that people, as soon as Paul would leave an area and when he left this area of Galatia, which was Derby and Lystra and Iconium and the first places that he had been, immediately Judaizers came in and told the new Christians that, you know, to be a Christian, you also have to be a good Jew. And so Paul was insistent at the fact that it was Jesus plus nothing. It was not Jesus plus circumcision, Jesus plus uh, attendance to the synagogue or anything like that or, or to the church. And so he says right in verse six, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ. It means that they're deserting God and they're opening themselves up to some other kind of grace. You want to there about the law? The law brought no promise of eternal life. It was given to make us aware of our sin. Romans 3.20 is very clear in stating that by the works of the law, no human being will be justified. So the message of Paul was something very different. It brought a promise of eternal life. And, and I just want to add, you know, just like the song we sang, um, Nothing But the Blood, it is just Jesus's blood that saves us. And we made the point in church on Sunday, there are two different elements. There's salvation and there is sanctification. No Salvation comes in no other way except accepting the blood of Jesus to cover your sins. Then the sanctification comes when Jesus writes on your hearts these things that he has for you to do for him. And so... This is this is the law. All the law did was it showed us that we fall very short of Jesus, uh, of God's ways for us. And so it shows us how much we do need the blood of Jesus to cover our sins. And Sandy, uh, a lot of Christians mistakenly believe that the law was there so that if you kept the law, you would have salvation or eternal life. That was never promised in the Old Testament. It wasn't promised at all. It was a covenant where, uh, you know, if, if you followed the law, then the Lord would bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you and, and those different things. It was a, it was sort of reciprocal promises there that were going on, but there was never a promise of salvation. Salvation comes from no other but Jesus. And we see Paul say that again and again. And another thing to point out <coughs> is that <coughs> the people who were under law had to have sacrifices once a year that covered their sins. <clears throat> Jesus is our sacrifice once <clears throat> and for all. Read the next paragraph, please. We must not <clears throat> we, we must be careful to not mix the law with the gospel. The law measures how fallen we are, but it does not help us in our fallen nature. The law is like a bathroom scale. It tells you your condition, but it does not help you lose weight. The law tells us how unrighteous we are, but it does not help us in taking care of the problem. <clears throat> Sorry, guys, I've been breathing a little diesel <clears throat> exhaust today, so I think Sandy's going to have to carry the ball here. But what she's saying is that law is like a bathroom scale. It just shows you, uh-oh, this is how much weight you've uh, gained during the COVID-19 pandemic. 
But it, I don't need any water. Thank you. <clears throat> but it doesn't. It doesn't really tell you how to lose that weight. And that's what the law does. It was there just to convict people and show them how much we all have fallen short of the glory of God. So we need to be very careful and read these words because otherwise we start adding thing upon thing uh, and we end up in with what I call a works-based program. A works-based program is I've got to go knock on so many doors in order to meet the approval of God. I've got to uh, give so much uh, money to the church or I have to strictly give a tithe of what I have or somehow I'm, I'm not going to have any of God's blessings. You know, those things complicated. That all might have to do with blessings, but it has nothing to do with salvation. And I think another point here <clears throat> is let's say we do those things and we have our tally sheet and we add up all these things that we do that supposedly are to bless God. And what we do is we think, okay, God, I've done all these things. Now it's your turn to do these things that I want you to do for me. And that's not how it works. And the bad thing about a works-based theology, guys, is that <clears throat> you're never going to know that you know that you know that you've done enough. And the good news, this gospel, which means good news, is because you can know right now today that your sins are forgiven, regardless of what you've added to the equation. And that, that I think, is the good news. When you introduce works into the equation, you're never sure of how much you need to do, how many cookies you've got to bake, how many old ladies you need to have to walk across the street in order to reach that and, and, and get to your salvation. So when you can contribute to your salvation, you'll never know that it's enough. Jesus said it is finished on the cross, and he meant what he said. Did you want to add something there? Mm, no. <clears throat> Go ahead if you want to. Which, oh, about grace brings confidence. Grace brings confidence that it's all done. Works bring a burden. One reason I never ask people to be rebaptized when they come to Union Grove is because we don't have a corner on baptism. The work is done through the work of Christ, so there is no assurance of forgiveness. For instance, whatever, you know, Jesus forgives you by the blood, by his blood that was shed on the cross, he makes up for our sins. And so when you ask Jesus to forgive you for, her, for your sins, that is done through grace, not because of your works. And so then when you have this situation where you think, well, maybe I should get baptized again or whatever, baptism is an outward sign of what's happening inside your heart. If you want to be baptized again, we'll be glad to baptize you. But this is not a condition for your salvation because Jesus' blood is all that saves you. You know, and, and when you have an insecurity about your eternal status, let's just say that, about whether you're going to be in heaven or not, that's not good news. The gospel is good news, and the good news is that Jesus did it all, as we said on Sunday. It's Jesus plus nothing. Then if you look there in verse 7, Paul calls this stuff that they were adding on a distortion. And I think in my New King James Version, it actually calls it a perversion. You know, a perversion, is, it sounds horrible to us. It almost has a sexual connotation. But a perversion of things is when you mix something from the original and you make it something that's no longer pure. I used to show kids a kind of a uh, picture of sin. I would take a nice clean glass of water and just spit in it a little bit. That's a perversion of the clean water, and it makes it something that it shouldn't be. The Greek word used there is metastropsy, and it means a great turn. So what Paul's really saying is, he says, I preached you a gospel that gave you assurance of salvation. It was Jesus plus nothing, and now you've made a huge turn away from the thing that is real. You know, I talked to y'all last Sunday about Mormonism and I'm not 
in in this podcast here just beating up on Mormonism. Mormonism has just a lot of great uh, acts of and, and conduct and, and moral teaching. And, and, and moral teaching that goes along with it. But the problem is that it adds stuff to the gospel, you know. Uh, and 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 there are other faces, and, and I'm not saying Mormonism is a face of the church, because I, I don't believe that it is. But there are other real faces of, of the Christian church, Christian groups, that keep adding stuff. They'll add penance, confession, water baptism, and all this kind of stuff. Actually, uh, I was reading history this week, and sprinkling people to be baptized started when the error had, had been taught that you had to be baptized to be saved. So someone was on their deathbed. They couldn't figure out how to get them out of the bed to go go and then take them and baptize them. So they came up with this whole idea of sprinkling people. And you end up with all these rules and regulations about how to sprinkle, when to sprinkle, whose name to sprinkle, when you get away from Jesus plus nothing. And, and so I want to point here too, what is the fallacy or what is the error of the Mormon church? The Mormon church says that, yes, Jesus' blood forgave us for our sins, but then you have to do all this other stuff. You have to do these works. You have to do this and that. Anytime, I'm not saying that those are not good things, but anytime you take Jesus's work on the cross and add anything to it in order to be saved, it is no longer Jesus's work on the cross. Why would he have to die on the cross if you could be saved through some other way? It's going to be something that you do, trying to do plus what Jesus has done. If we then look at verse 8, Paul says, but even if we are an angel from heaven, that's interesting because supposedly the angel Moroni came and gave John, or, or uh, was it John Smith? Joseph. Joseph Smith, uh, this, this thing. He says, this even vision. if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you, then what we have preached to you, let him be cursed. Paul's saying if anyone adds to the gospel, basically they should be separated from God forever and be sent to hell and be eternally separated. You want to go on with verse 9 there? Yes. In verse 9, Paul says, As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed or eternally separated from God. For do I now persuade men or God? Do I now seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. So if his goal was to make everybody happy, Paul would never have struck out and become an ambassador for Christ because he made a whole lot of people very unhappy that were Jewish believers, that were people that were Jewish and were, did not believe in Jesus as the Messiah. And if you think of, of this as legalism, meaning like in, in Paul's case, they wanted to get back under the Jewish law, we still have legalism today, and I want to talk about this. This whole idea of works or something that I can add to be, to somehow add to the formula, to add to my salvation, then we enter into something that's called legalism. And uh, it's a bunch of laws and requirements that end up getting attached, like I just said a minute ago. Baptism, church attendance, tithing, uh, all of this laundry list of things that that get added on and on and on to what you have to do to be righteous before God. And I, I don't know, Sandy, where we heard this, but years ago we heard that legalism has only two children. And the two children are pride or self-defeat. Do you remember us hearing that? Mm -hmm. And the, the reason it's pride is if someone's good at keeping the rules, then they're going to be proud and they're going to be boastful. And inside they're going to be as lost as a goat in a hailstorm. Because they're going to think that they're right on with everything, and they're really wrong out with everything. 
Uh, so they're going to be prideful. And then the second is self-defeat. For most of us, we can never keep the laundry list anyway. And so you end up thinking, well, why bother? You know, I'm defeated anyway, and I can't keep all these rules. So it's either legalism always produces either a certain pride that's really nefarious and horrible. Which and, makes you feel like you're better than everybody. I, we, I want to point out one time we were in a church group, and there was a young man who said that he could go a whole day without sinning. And Faber and I were just flabbergasted, and we were thinking, you know, you have the sin of pride right now, brother. Well, well, I laughed, and I said, yeah, right now you're sinning because you just said a lie. There's no way you can get through the whole day without sinning. <laughs> <clears throat> and he got all upset, and we, we were on a bus. We had to ride with him about 24 hours to a ski trip. But, but and- some, some teachings are that you can go through a whole day without sinning. And the thing is, we need Jesus every hour. I, this Last song, I don't know if we'll have time to do it or we not, yeah, but it's, I need thee every hour. We need Jesus every moment, every single day. We need to turn to him in humility and um, with prayer and ask his forgiveness because that's just who we are. So neither when we're prideful nor when we feel self-defeated, neither of those are helpful attitudes that help us get and move us towards being conformed into the image of Christ, Okay. Paul is saying that even if an angel, like I said, comes from heaven and gives you a message and it doesn't measure up to the pure, unadulterated gospel, then, hey, don't listen to it. In fact, he says here it should be cursed. And obviously, Paul was answering some kind of criticism about uh, how in this, about how he was trying to pander to the church or or whatever. And uh, if you really want to know how... Paul felt about the gospel, you can turn over to Romans 1, and if you would read, Sandy, Romans 1, 16. Listen to what he says about the gospel. Romans 1, 16 through 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek, or people like us, the Gentiles. The Gentile. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So what Paul's saying is that the gospel is the power of God to salvation. If you mix it and you distort it, it is no longer the power of God that is at work. And it's diluted. It's diluted. What is it adulterated with? It's adulterated with the power of man. And the power of man has nothing to add to the power of God. The righteousness of God is by faith. It is not works. It is by faith, and we are declared righteous in God's sight when we have faith in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. And boy, we don't need to. Uh, we don't need the gospel in the world like we've never. We need it more than we've never ever needed. Is what I'm really trying to say. Uh, we are in a mess right now in this country. What people really need, they they need the Lord Jesus. They need to have the Lord where they can have forgiveness in their hearts. They can have the ability to humble themselves where they can have the ability to converse with one another and value one another. And we don't see that right now. Jesus said, this gospel will be declared to all the nations and then the end will come. That's kind of interesting. I was thinking about this this weekend. How can the gospel now be declared to all the nations? Sandy, you got any thoughts? Well, uh, it is happening on the internet. Hey, it's, it's happening, happening on... this very second. We're on the right. internet. And uh-huh, exactly. And it's happening. Th- it has happened in the past. I guess it first started through radio, which there is worldwide radio, um, television, satellites. All of these methods are ways that the well. And then there's the old-fashioned thing of uh, uh, missionaries. We have an ex-missionary in our 
a retired missionary in our church presently, and we have we know a lot of missionaries, Faber and I do. And um, these are people that are fulfilling this prophecy of Jesus from Matthew twenty four fourteen. I just think it's interesting because here we are doing a podcast, and three months ago we weren't even sure what a podcast meant. And we're doing a podcast now, and this podcast could probably go if it were shared properly. And I'm not telling y'all I'll go share it, and that's what we desire, but I'm just saying think about it. It's being recorded in a computer. It's uploaded onto something called anchor.fm. And it can be accessed from anywhere in the entire world. So the gospel is going out in the last days to all the earth. The world continues to present nothing but lies. And I talked about this Sunday in church. I said that, you know, the world presents that drugs are good, uh, that, you know, bad conduct is good, good is bad. It's kind of like the world is totally upside down with the things of God. But the gospel is very simple. It was the same when Paul preached it as we're preaching today on this podcast, y'all. Jesus is enough, and that's it. All that needs to be done to have eternal life with him is to receive the precious gift that he gives. And when you do that, you can have all of the full assurance that it is enough, it is paid, it is in full. And then you can be about the business of just letting the Holy Spirit sanctify you. That means take you and knock off the rough edges of your life, make you more con- conform to the image of God. And so as we move on to Sunday to finish up Galatians 1, the message today is just a little better look at what the gospel actually means. And we had a wonderful presentation by Felice Overton on, on Sunday of the gospel with her little wordless book. So, you know, the, you're so near the gospel when you realize how much you need the Lord. And we're going to end this little podcast. It's a little short today, but that's all right. We've said what needs to be said, and we, we do wish you guys a great rest of your evening and and uh, hope to see everybody in church on Sunday. So, I need thee every hour. I need thee every Love y'all. We 
miss you, and we look forward to being with you on Sunday morning. Let's close in prayer. Lord, thank you that there is nothing that we can add because, oh, Lord, you know human beings, and we would be desperately trying to figure out what we could add on to make you love us more. So, Lord, uh, thank you for your gift of salvation. We received it. We accept. We receive it. We accept it. And, Lord, now we ask you with your Holy Spirit that was the promised comforter within us to help us to go through these days, these days of trouble and trial here in our country. Let the things that we say come from you. Let the things that we hear edify, Lord, uh, open our hearts. And Lord, uh, let us always be uh, mindful of loving others and Lord, uh, looking after them the way you would have us look after them. Lord, we give you this day, the rest of this day. And Lord, thank you for your grace and your mercy. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs>